You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith, a church designed to see people far from God raised to true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Back in July, I sat down uh, to write one sermon, and then I had this thought. And I said, well, let me write this thought down so I don't forget it, because if I forget it, then I can't share it with people, so let me write it down so I don't forget it. And so I opened up a new pages document on my computer, and I started to write out this thought, and then three hours later came this sermon. Uh, And that usually doesn't happen. It usually takes me about 15 hours to craft a sermon, but in three hours, I had this one that I'm going to preach to you today. And uh, I knew we were doing the open series, and uh, I knew I had an open slot in the open series, and I was like, what am I going to preach on? And then I said, it's this sermon right here, because I believe that God gave me this message uh, for many of you today. I I, I want you to, today, in faith, see the message that I'm going to bring to you as coming directly from God through me. I'm not God, but allow God to speak directly into your hearts, because I believe that this is a word uh, for some of you today. Uh, Now, I want to go ahead and give you the title for the message so you can write it down. Go ahead and take out your program with the notes section uh, and and write this up at the top of the notes section. Uh, Distracted by wind. Come on, write that down. I worked hard on it. Uh, Distracted by wind. That's why we give you a program with a notes section and a pen that you steal uh, so that you can take notes. (laughs) No, but you can take that pen, give it to people, let them know, hey, come to my church, we got cool pens, but distracted by wind is the title for today. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I easily get distracted. Uh, I don't have ADD, but I still get distracted at times. And um, one of the ways that I most get distracted is when I'm working. Like, if I'm working and somebody's talking or there's something going on in the background or there's some noise happening, like, I can't focus at all. And, and so I get to work from home. I have the opportunity to do that. If you ever have the chance to work from home, you should do it. Um, but since I work from home, I get to create my own work environment. But even though I get to create my own work environment, there are still distractions in that work environment. One of the biggest distractions for me is my phone. Like, I've found that in order for me to not be distracted by my phone, I have to put my phone on do not disturb mode and then put it face down. That way, if somebody calls or there's a text or anything like that, I won't know. But what I found myself doing is even when I do that, if my phone is on my desk, every once in a while throughout the day, I'll just glance at it and think, maybe I should check it. I mean, maybe somebody texted, somebody called, maybe there's a voicemail, uh, maybe I should serve Facebook, I don't know. And so I've had to actually move my phone into a different room when I'm working because if I just look at it, then it'll distract me. Uh, There's other distractions that I have when I work from home too. Uh, There are times I'll be working and I'll look down at the floor and I'll realize that the floor needs to get swept. And so I'll stop what I'm doing to go sweep the floor. Or uh, I'll, I'll catch a whiff of our dog and I'll think, man, he stinks. I need to give him a bath. And so I'll stop what I'm doing to give him a bath. Or uh, I'll think, oh, there needs to be some laundry going right now. So I'll stop what I'm doing to go put laundry in, in, in our washing machine. And guys, if you don't know how to do your laundry yet, you should because your wife is not your mom. Thought I'd get some backup on some ladies. Or, you know, or, if I, um, or I'll see that there are dishes in the sink, and I'll leave them for my wife to do later. And so I, I easily get distracted. It, it's easy for me to get distracted. And so I had to learn this discipline that when I say yes to something, then I'm saying no to something else, right? Uh, if I choose to say yes to distractions, then I'm saying no to production. Because studies have shown that uh, 
for every distraction that you have in your day, it takes you about 15 minutes to refocus. And so if you go throughout your workday and, and you're busy and you get everything done and then at the end of the day you look back and you're like, I was busy, I did a bunch of stuff, but I don't really know what I did, it's probably because you were checking email throughout the day or, or, or you had all these distractions that came up and so you didn't have the time to refocus. So I found that if I say yes to distraction, I say no to production. Um, I found that if I say yes to a phone call, while I'm with my family, then I'm saying no to spending quality time with my family. See, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to some other things. And, and I found that I have to say no to some really good things so that I can say yes to what's best. I want to encourage some of you today. You need to start saying no to some good things in your life so that you can say yes to what's best. Uh, Stephen Covey, uh, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, writes about the time management quadrants. Now, when he writes about these quadrants, here's, here's how he uh, writes about it. He says that everything that we do is broken up into four quadrants. And he labels these quadrants like this. Quadrant one, Q1, Q2, Q what? Three, you know where this is going, come on. That's a, that's a one. And then Q, four. Quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, and quadrant four. And then he says that there are things in our life that demand our time that are urgent. And then there are other things in our life that are not urgent. But then there are also things in our life that are quite important. And everything else is not important. And I know you can't read this, but it's a good visual for you. Now, he says that everything in our life that's vying for our time, all the tasks, everything that we have going on, it fits in one of these quadrants. And so there are things that fit in Q1. These are things that are urgent and important. And when we find ourselves doing things in this quadrant, we become a firefighter. Because these are things that are urgent, they're important, and they have to be done. This is a, a medical emergency. This is the baby is crying. You can't just put that off. You've got to deal with that. This is a pressing deadline that if it doesn't happen, then the deal is, is, is no good anymore. These are last-minute changes. These are things that are urgent and important. They have to be done. Now, some things end up in this quadrant here, Q1, because life just happens, right? But there are times, most of the time I would say, that things end up here in quadrant one because we neglect the things that are here in quadrant two. Quadrant two are things that are not urgent but very important. Things that are not urgent but important. This would be uh, quality time. This really is the sweet spot of our time management. These are things that are not urgent, but important. They don't have to be done right now, but they're really important. This is uh, like exercise, your health. Like if you don't work out, um, if you miss a day, that's okay. I mean, it's not urgent, but it is really important. This, this is stuff like life planning. Where do you want to be in 30 years? It's really important that you do it, but you don't have to sit down and do it right now. But if you neglect it, then you'll be somewhere in 30 years and say, how did I get here? Uh, th this is stuff like uh, working on your business as opposed to in your business. When you work in your business, you're a firefighter. All these things have to get done. But when you work on your business, you take the time to rise above your business to see, how do I make it better? These are things that are vitally important, but they're not always pressing. 
And because they're not always pressing, we often neglect the things in this quadrant. He goes on to say that uh, Q3 uh, are things that are uh, not important, but urgent. These are distractions, things that are not important, but urgent. Now, these are things like a text message notification, uh, email notification, phone calls. These are things that they're not that important, but they're right in front of your face, and they're saying, deal with me now, and you're like, okay, I will, because they're urgent. And we often give our time to these things throughout the day, distractions. Uh, And then Q4 are uh, items that vie for our time that are not urgent and not important, and these are what's known as time wasters. Now, with time wasters, these are things like binge-watching House of Cards, um, playing a video game, uh, scrolling through Facebook. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Those things are great, and you should do those things to unwind and refresh, but they're time wasters. And often what happens is you and I spend most of our time in these three quadrants right here, Q1, Q3, and Q4. We're a firefighter that, that we're firefighters who are distracted with time wasters, right? Like this is what many of us do with our time. And then we end up saying something like this. Have you ever said this? Oh, man, I just don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. Yeah. Or I wish I had more time. What Covey says is that, no, we don't need more time. Instead, we need to manage the time we have. What we need to do is prioritize the things in our life to do what matters most. And ultimately, where where we should spend most of our time is right here in this quadrant, Q2, working on the things that are important and yet not urgent, because it's when we do that that we have a better life, that, our, that we manage our time even better. Now, these are the quadrants of time management. I want you to hold on to it. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But before we come back to that, um, I don't know what you think about the devil, and I'm not talking about your stepmother, but um, <laughs> stepmother, <laughs> or mother-in-law, whichever one. But, but I don't know what you think about the devil, but the scriptures teach us that you and I have a very real adversary. We, we have an enemy, uh, this being the devil or Satan, and uh, his, his role is to try and pull the people of God away from God. This is what Satan wants to do. This is his mission. Now, sometimes when people think about Satan, they think that Satan um, is the opposite of God, or that Satan is the equal to God, but just evil. Uh, but Satan is not the equal to God, just evil. Satan is actually submissive to God. Satan is under God. Compared to the pit bull might and strength of God, Satan is a yapping chihuahua, okay? But he, nonetheless, he's still our enemy. He's still our adversary, and his role, his goal, is to try and pull us away from God. Uh, now, When Satan does this, he doesn't use schemes that are obvious, but he uses schemes that are subtle. Uh, Like like Satan is not thinking, man, if I could just get him to be a crack addict, then I got him, right? Like if a crack rock dropped in your lap today, you'd be like, oh, this is not good. I'm not going to do this, right? I I mean, it's obvious probably. Most of you would do that. And so so it's really obvious. Satan is not thinking, if I could just get him sleeping with prostitutes, then I got him. Then I'll pull him away from God. No, because that's, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Most of us would see that and we say, oh, that's probably not the best thing in my life. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So, so Satan's schemes are, are subtle, 
But even though they're subtle, and we don't always notice them, they are very obvious. Uh, what I mean is, the Apostle Paul uh, was, was saying this to a church in the city of Corinth. He, he wrote this church uh, in Corinth a, a letter, and we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. These are the letters that he wrote to this church. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says this, For we are not unaware of his schemes. Talking about the schemes of the devil and, and, and the things that Satan does to try and draw us away from God. Now, when Paul was saying this to the church at Corinth, um, it was because there was an issue of unforgiveness going on. There were these people within the church who weren't forgiving one another. And so because of that, they held grudges. And in the midst of that grudge, there was space that was created. And when we have space known as a grudge, then um, division comes up, destruction happens, and Satan can use that space to wreak havoc in people's lives. And so what Paul was saying was, hey, forgive people so that Satan can't work in and among you to divide you. He says, we're not unaware of his schemes. And so Satan's schemes are quite subtle, but they're very obvious because many of us are aware of those schemes. Because Satan has been using the same schemes to try and pull the people of God away from God from the beginning of time. And what I want to spend the rest of our time on today is looking at one of those schemes that Satan uses. And here's the scheme that he uses. The tactic of distraction. The tactic of distraction. I think, I think often Satan is just thinking, if I could just get people distracted, then I got them. I don't need to make them a crack addict, but if I can just get them chasing their tails, if I could just get them running around, if I could just get them busy, if I could just get them focused on what they see so they never see that they have a sense of purpose and destiny here and now, if I could just get them to focus on all the problems in their life, then they won't see the God who's above all their problems, and then I win. I can just pull them away from God. If I could just get them distracted. And Satan has been using this scheme since the beginning of time. I want to show you a time in Peter's life where he got distracted. Uh, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest followers. Uh, and there was a moment in his life where he took his focus off of the Savior and began to be distracted. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 20. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, we're actually going to start in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We'll also have the words for you on the screen. Uh, but I want to invite you to look at it in your own Bible. That way you can highlight, underline, take notes, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, but Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Now this takes place just before Jesus fed 5,000 people. That's known as a miracle of multiplication. He took five loaves and two fish. He fed 5,000 people. It's a great day. Long John Silver sandwiches. Awesome. Now... After this, Matthew 14, 22 takes place. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Uh, real quick, I just want to point out that, that the Son of God took time to be with God. That Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. That was a big withdrawal from him. And then he goes to a mountainside to pray, to be alone with God, to be refreshed and rejuvenated. I wonder for you, when, when is a time during your day that you take time to be with God, that you take time to be alone with God, to pray, to read his word, to have him speak to you? And I'm not talking about while you're in the car driving and praying, God, help me have a good day. I'm not talking about when you're surrounded by people, but when is a time in your day where you get alone, just you and God, to be refreshed and rejuvenated? Because throughout the week, you're constantly making withdrawals of yourself. You're depositing into other people. People are withdrawing from you. 
and you need a time to be invested in by the God of the universe. Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, and, and take note of the time here, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And look at this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So it's evening, Jesus is on the mountainside, and it's just before dawn that he actually goes out to them. So he allows the disciples to struggle at the oars with the wind pressing against them and the waves crashing down on them all night before he comes to them. And, and, and there's something that you need to know about the geography here too. Where Jesus is on this mountainside, um, he can see down across the whole lake. Jesus can see the entire lake. Jesus can see his disciples and where they are. He can see that the wind is blowing against them. He can see that the waves are crashing around them. And, and, and Jesus is above their situation. Jesus sees the entirety of their situation, and yet he doesn't come to them to help them. He waits until dawn to make that appearance to help them and save them. Um, I say this because some of you right now are in a situation in your life where the wind is against you. You feel like the waves are crashing down around you. The waves are crashing against you. They're beating against you. You're struggling at the oars of your life, and you're wondering, God, where are you? What, what's going on in the midst of this? But can I just tell you that Jesus is above your situation? Jesus is not intimidated by what you're going through. Jesus can see the entirety of your situation, and he's telling you, keep rowing. You got this. I'm in this with you. I'm above this. I control the wind and the waves. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to stress out about that. I know that it's crashing down around you, but I got this. I'm over it. And Jesus goes to his disciples in the midst of it to comfort them. Not only is Jesus above whatever it is you're going through, not only is he not intimidated by it, not only is he in control of it, but he comes to you in the midst of it and says, I'm here with you. You don't need to worry about, God, where are you? Because God is saying, I got this under control, and I'm right here with you in the midst of it. Jesus goes to his disciples, and um, verse 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, like you do, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, but when he saw the wind, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, 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 Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Like, Peter, you were doing so good. You got out of the boat. You were walking on water. When you had your eyes fixed on the Savior, you were walking. But when you got distracted by wind, you started to sink. When you had your eyes on the Savior, you walked. When you got distracted by wind, you began to sink. See, I believe that if Satan can just get us distracted by wind then we start to sink in our lives. When we take our eyes off of the Savior and we get distracted on everything else, we start to sink in our lives. Like, I think we, we long for community with people. We long for connection with people. 
And I've been in this situation where I've been in a room full of people, and the opportunity to connect with people is right there. There's a moment there that you have a a chance to connect with people, but then uh, as I looked around the room, I see everybody distracted by the device in their hand as they're making connections with people who aren't even there, trying to cultivate something that's not even real in this moment right now because I'm distracted by my device. See, there are people all around you that you can connect with, but so often we get distracted by the device in our pocket. And I think Satan is just saying, if I could just get you distracted by your device, then I don't have to worry about you connecting with the person who's right in front of you. Like, I don't know if you know this about yourself, uh, but you got a lot of great attributes. I mean, I don't know you, but you got a lot of great attributes about, about yourself. There's a lot of really good things about you. You got a, a great personality, most of you, and, and, and you, you got some great gifts and talents and abilities. I mean, there's all sorts of good things about you wrapped up inside the package that is you. I mean, there's so many great things about you. And, and, and even beyond that, I mean, there's a lot of great things that are happening in your, in your life right now. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know my life. You, you, no, no, I do know. There's a lot of good things happening in your life right now. Like you woke up today. Don't, don't you know that somebody planned on waking up this morning and they didn't? But you did. And I'm not sure. I can't see. But it looks like nobody here is breathing with the assistance of a machine. So you're able to take your next breath without help from a machine. I think... Most, most everybody in here walked here today, like you walked into the building, so that's a great thing. Uh, many of you drove a car to get here. S- some of you have kids, and, and, and also you, you have a spouse, somebody who loves you, who, who cares about you. Like, like, like for so many of us, there, there's so many good things in our life. There's so many gifts that we have in our life. But I think the enemy says, if I could just get them distracted on all the bad things, if I could just get them distracted on their insecurities... If I could just get them distracted by, by, by focusing on the things that are going wrong in their life, if I could just get them focused on, on the, the minor bad things that are happening in their life, and maybe you're going through something huge, I, I don't know, and I don't want to uh, downsize that, but, but compared to all the good that God has given you, the enemy is saying, if I could just get you distracted by the bad things, then I can get you to start sinking. Because there are some people, you're struggling with depression right now because you're focused on all the wrong things. I wonder if instead of being distracted by when, you started focusing on all the good things in your life that God has given you, all the gifts that you have. I wonder if your attitude, if your mood would begin to change. And I know some of that is, is chemical imbalance and things like that, but, but for others, it's just you're focused on the wrong thing. And I wonder if, if Satan is rejoicing because you're sinking because he got you distracted. Some of you, you're, you're married to a real person. But Satan says, if I can just get them distracted by the images and videos online so they get caught up with something fake, if I can get them desiring that instead of the real person that they're married to, I don't need them to get a divorce because I got them. They're sinking. See, Satan uses subtle schemes to distract us, and we got to be aware of it so that we can say, no, 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 God didn't call me out so that I could sink, but God called me out so I could walk in victory. Some of you, some of you, some of you. Like, God has called you to live true life, all of us. Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life and have it to the full, but some of us aren't living that life. Like, you just know by asking somebody, hey, how you doing? I'm just making it. Okay. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, another day. 
Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm just getting by. Listen, God didn't call you out so you could just get by and just make it and just have another day. God called you to walk in victory. But if Satan can distract you so that you settle for something less than God's best, come on, somebody. If, 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 if he can distract you, well, then he has you. Because you're not going to rise above when you're sinking. God didn't call you to tread water. He called you to walk on water. But so often, so often we get distracted by wind. You know, I was, um, here's what got me thinking about this. Um, I see this story in people's lives all the time. People who come to this church. And I said, I, I, I'm done with it. I mean, I can't, I, I can't, we can't have this anymore. And I think we just need to be aware of it. And here, here's a story that I hear all the time. Somebody comes to our church and they say, you know, I used to go to church, uh, but then I stopped going. Uh, my life went to hell and now I'm back and I want God in my life. Um, or I went to this one church and I haven't been in six months and, and I'm here and I love this church. This is so awesome. And God is revealing things in their life. He's showing them the light. They, they start walking on water. They realize, oh man, this is great. They say, I want to give God my life. I, I believe in him. I want to be baptized into him. And maybe they start serving too. They get involved in a group. They, they get involved and, and they experience all this great stuff. They got called out and they're starting to walk. But, but then they get distracted. And then a month later, three months later, six months later, a year later, that person who was walking in victory is now like nowhere to be found. And it's like, wait, where did they go? What happened? And, and I found that the story is the same all the time. The, the story is the same story that they brought with them. And, and if that's you today, I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I want to give you a way to break the cycle, but, but here's what I found out. When that person starts to sink and they drown, if they're involved in a team and they're serving, our team leader reaches out to them to just kind of find out what's up. Uh, if they're not involved in a team and I notice that they're not here, which I can't always do as we continue to grow as a church, I can't know everybody, so don't rely on me reaching out to you. But, um, but what I found is that the story is the same every single time. And the story is not this. The story is not, well, I came and, and God revealed himself to me and I was changed forever and, and, and I loved it and I was baptized and, and everything was great. It was awesome. And then like six months later, I just thought, ah, oh, this whole Jesus thing isn't real. Oh, it's all a crock. It's a sham. And then, they, and then they drop off the face of the earth. No, I've never heard that. But here's what I hear every time when I connect with those people. It was great. It was awesome. I mean, I love the church. The, the, the band is awesome. Preaching is great. It, it's phenomenal, right? But... But, but then there was this one Sunday, and it was raining, uh, and I got a headache, and I just thought, oh, I won't go. And then the next Sunday, I got called into work, you know? And then the next Sunday, uh, what happened was uh, I was stressing out about my finances, and I had a chance to, to make, make some overtime, so, I, so I, I went to work that Sunday. And then the next Sunday, my kid got sick. And then after that, we went on vacation, and then my kid had a, a game the, the, the following Sunday. And then one Sunday, I just forgot to set my alarm, or I stayed up too late. And, and, and over and over and over again, like, w- what I hear are, are, are these distractions that keep, pe- keep people from coming. And what happens is uh, eventually they fall away. And then when I reconnect with them, they say, you know, I, I just, I just kind of felt like maybe I shouldn't go back. And the story is the same every time. But the details change. The, the examples change. Maybe it's that they met a guy or a girl and they were like, we, we were hanging out on Sunday. Or, or, or I met somebody and I crossed some lines with them and I felt really bad and I didn't want to come. Or, or, or I had this big test coming up and I didn't study for it. So I decided to study on Sunday. And, so, and, and, and that's why I, I didn't come. But, but, but what I found over and over and over again is people tell me the story of distraction. 
See, we're not unaware of his schemes. Satan uses subtle schemes, and the scheme is distraction. Over and over again, when I hear these stories of people who are on fire for God, who are walking in the light, when they experience darkness in their life, they start to doubt what they knew was true in the light. I just want to tell you today, some of you need to know that what you experience in the light is true even in the darkness. Like, don't, don't start to go back on that, because what you knew then to be true is still true now. But what I hear over and over again is the theme of the scheme of distraction, and I'm tired of it. Like, like I'm tired of Satan distracting us so that we start to sink. Because God didn't call you out so that you could sink. He called you to live the best life ever. He's calling you to something greater. He's calling you to something more. And I just want to say, don't get distracted. I was, I was talking to these two girls who started coming to our church. Um, one of them came uh, in December last year. One of them started coming in the spring. They both got baptized. They said, man, God is changing my life. It's great. I love it. I'm walking on water. This is phenomenal. Started serving. It, it was great. But then the same story happened with them. They, they eventually stopped coming. And I noticed and I reached out to them. I said, hey, I know like you're on fire. You're passionate. Everything was great, but I haven't seen you in a while. What's up? And the story they told me was the same. Two different girls, two different lives, telling me the same story. And I told one of the girls this. I said, listen, I, your story is not unique. You're unique, but your story isn't. Because there's another girl who's going through the same thing. There's another girl who's telling me the same thing. And I just want to let you know that you're not the only one in this. Like, you're not the only one who's experiencing this. You're not the only one that Satan is trying to do this to. Because Satan wants you to sink. He doesn't want you walking with God. He's afraid of you. You know why you're being so distracted? You know why you, you've been pulled away like you have? Because Satan knows that God has a greater purpose in your life. God has a greater plan in your life. God has a greater destiny for your life. But if he can get you distracted so you start to see the wind and start to sink, he doesn't have to worry about you. But good God, what if, what if you got focused on Jesus and you pursued him with all of your life? That's what Satan's, Satan's afraid of. He doesn't want you following Jesus. Focus on him because he knows when that happens, you'll start to just walk right in victory. But if he can get you distracted, you can sink and tread water. And he's like, I got them. Here's the thing. Satan has his target on you. He wants to get you distracted. He, he wants you to start looking around at the wind, at all these things that really don't matter so that you take your focus off the Savior and begin to sink. And I don't want that to happen to you. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 13 about this farmer who plants seed all over the place. Actually, he throws it around. And uh, some of the seed, he says, lands on a, on a path, and the birds come, and they scoop it up before it gets a chance to grow. He says some of the seed lands uh, in rocky soil where uh, it springs up really fast, but the sun comes out, it scorches it, and because it doesn't have roots, it withers away. He says there's, there's another... Uh, form of seed. This seed goes um, in some ground that's thorny, and it, and it grows up, and the thorns and the weeds choke out the seed. Uh, like, it grows up, but it doesn't produce fruit because the weeds and thorns choke it out. And then he says there's good soil, and some of the seed lands in the good soil, and it produces a harvest 30, 60, 100-fold. And what he's talking about is us. He's saying the different types of soil is us. And I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in ministry. That there are some people, you hear God's word, and Satan comes to snatch it away from you so you don't respond to it. You just say, okay. And you never really do anything with the power of God's word in your life. 
But then there's some people who they get really excited, and they're like, this is awesome, this is great. They give their lives to Jesus, but then a hard time comes, and then they, they wither away, and you never see them again. And then there's people who come into the kingdom, they grow, but they get distracted by the wind, by the waves, by the thorns and the weeds, and all these other things start to choke out their fruit. And so they're living in the kingdom, but they're not living the life of the kingdom. God has called you to live the life of the kingdom, not to be distracted. And then the seed that lands on the good soil, that is living true life. That is producing a great fruit. Here's what I find so interesting. You get to choose what kind of soil you're going to be. You, you get to choose if you're going to be the one who gets distracted. You get to choose what your story is. You get to choose what the outcome of your life is. If you're going to look around at the wind and sink, or if you're going to keep your eyes on the Savior. I told you about um, Covey's quadrants of time management. Everything in Q2, quadrant two, not urgent but important, eventually if we start to neglect this, it'll move over here into quadrant one, urgent and important. It becomes an emergency. If you neglect your health, eventually, when you have a heart attack, it becomes an emergency, and you have to deal with it. If you neglect your marriage, eventually, it becomes an emergency, and you have to make time for it now because you're in counseling, or the divorce word has been brought up. Your life is in shambles now. Your relationship with God is Q2, quadrant two. It's not that urgent, but it is very important. It is urgent in that you're not promised tomorrow. And so if you couldn't say beyond a shadow of a doubt right now, I'm going to be in heaven because Jesus died for me on the cross. He rose again from the dead. If you can't say that beyond a shadow of a doubt, then today's the day to make the decision to say yes to him, to make him the leader of your life. That is urgent. But once you become a Christian, once you get into the kingdom, your relationship with God and maintaining it isn't as urgent. And what happens is over time we start to neglect it. We start to get distracted. And then it becomes an emergency again. And so we hear the stories over and over. I went to church. I stopped going. My life fell apart. And now I'm back. I'm sinking. God help me. Um, I've neglected what God has called me to do, my purpose, my life, everything, and now I'm lost, and now it's an emergency. God, help me. And here's what I found. If you continue to neglect your relationship with God, eventually it'll start to sink into quadrant four. Your relationship with God will be not urgent and not important, and you won't care. And that is not the life God has called you to live. God has called you to live a life greater than that. God has called you to live a life where you're walking on water. And listen, going to church doesn't give you a relationship with God, okay? But if you have a relationship with God, you should be connected to the church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian, why wouldn't you be a part of a church? I've, I've never met anybody who said to me, um, you know, I stopped going to church and my life got better. But I have met countless people who over and over again said, I got distracted, I stopped going to church, and my life fell apart. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to start to sink because God has called you to walk in victory, not to tread water. I want to give you two quick practical applications for this. What do we do with this now? Here's the first thing. I want to encourage you to make this house a priority in your life. 
make God's church a priority in your life. Uh, don't, don't just come once a month. Don't just come once every six weeks. I heard a statistic that the average church goer grows a church every six weeks. Don't let this church be another church on your church buffet. But instead, get involved here. Grow roots here. Make a difference here. Because when you got roots and hard times come, like the sun, it won't scorch you. It won't uproot you. Grow some roots here. The way that you do that is by engaging in the four Gs, growth, groups, gifts, and giving. And we say this because it's so vital for you to know what God is doing in your life, knowing how he's growing you. So taking time to read the Bible, to pray, to connect with him so that you can participate in growth, reaching out to other people, inviting other people to come walk on the water that you're walking on, inviting other people to experience the victory that you have in God. We, we, We talk about groups, getting involved in community. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentaries where, um, like, the lions are chasing after gazelles or zebras or whatever lions eat. But the gazelle that always gets taken is the straggler. The Bible says that your enemy, Satan, is like a lion on the prowl, seeking who he might devour. I want to invite you to get involved in community, to get involved in a group. We got groups starting up in September. I want to invite you to get to know some people, to build some relationships. You know what? There are people sitting all around you that some of you don't even know. God is building a community in this church. I wonder if you've been praying for a breakthrough or something in your life, and God is saying, I brought the answer this Sunday. They were sitting on your row, but you didn't reach out to them and say hi to them. I've been bringing the answer to your prayer to the church that you're going to for a long time. You just got to reach out and get to know them. They are the answer to what you're praying for. So I want to invite you to get involved in community, to get to know some people before you leave. And it shouldn't be awkward. I mean, we're all in this together. You're part of the same church. You got that in common. So go up to them. Say, hey, I don't know you. The pastor told me I need to know you. So what's your name? Get involved in community groups. We also talk about gifts, using your gifts to serve and make a difference. God has given you gifts, abilities, and talents to make a difference in the world and in this church. And when you do that, you get involved in a team. You get a chance to make a difference in people's lives. When you see people get baptized because you serve, you know you had a part in it. So I want to invite you, make this house a priority by serving here. The the last thing is, is giving. Now Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, that wherever your money goes, your heart follows. And you need to hear me this. Uh, on this. When I talk about giving, it's not because we want something from you, but it's because I want something for you. I know that when you give, your heart is here. You have a heart for the house. When you don't give, you don't have a heart for the house. That's what Jesus said. And I want you to care so much about God's church that you make it a priority that you give back to God. Again, it's not because I need something from you. It's because I want something from you. Because here's what I found over and over again. That when somebody comes to this church, God changes their life, and then they fall away. They stop coming all together. If you look at their giving record, you'll see that they never gave. Which meant that their heart was never here in this house. And if God doesn't have your heart, then he doesn't have your life. What you also see is that if somebody was giving... The first thing to go is their money, and then they leave. 
because when they stop giving, their heart is no longer in this house anymore. I don't want you to get distracted by when. I don't want that to be your story. And listen, you have to hear me, because when we talk about money in church, sometimes people are like, oh, listen, it's not because we need your money. For the past three weeks, we've seen over $4,000 given on Sundays, week to week, which is good. Our giving has gone up because of that. I'm not, I'm not saying it because we need your money. We don't. But I want you. I want your heart to be here. I want you to be connected. I want you to make this a priority. Because I've seen over and over when people don't make it a priority, they fall away. I don't want you to get distracted by when. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about what to do from this. And it's this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember what really matters. That a hundred years from now, the car that you're worried about right now won't matter, but your relationship with God will. That 200 years from now, when you're in heaven, the house that you're stressing about won't matter. Because you'll be living in a mansion then. Would you stay focused on what matters? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because as long as you continue to have your eyes on Jesus, you'll walk in victory. For, for so many of us, the problems that we face in our lives, the regret that you have, the pain that you've caused, the pain that you've experienced, it was because you weren't following Jesus. When you look at all those decisions, it's because you were following your own way. But if you focus on Jesus, if you make him the leader of your life, and you say, I don't care what's happening around me, I don't care about the wind, I don't care about the waves, but I'm gonna stay focused on you. I'm gonna walk towards you. As long as you continue to do that, you'll walk in victory. Because he's called you for something greater than treading water. He's called you to walk on water and to live true life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, Sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.